Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. Blessed to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you are new with us today, my name is Andrew. I am the lead pastor here at First Church, and we are so grateful that you've taken time to share in life together with us. You have picked an incredible Sunday to join us at First Church because this is Vision and Baptism Sunday 2017. And we are kicking off a brand new sermon series called We Are. If you would, everyone say that with me. We Are. And in case you haven't noticed, I'm a pretty excited guy most of the time, but I am really excited for this teaching series because I believe that God is going to paint the future of what this church is going to become in the coming years and decades in the life of this community. God has incredible things in store for First Church. So we are exploring a sermon series called We Are. Now, uh, you may be asking yourself, why is this so important? Why do we need to know who we are? And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down, uh, share on social media, send it to a friend, because here is the truth. Most churches know what they do, but few churches know who they are. Most churches know what they do, but few churches actually know who they are. Now, on a personal level, this isn't too difficult to resolve, right? Uh, for instance, the other day, my three-year-old son, uh, Lucas, and I were out playing, and all of a sudden, he turned to me, and he looked me straight in the eyes, and he said, Dad, who are you? <laughs> what do you do with that, right? And so I looked back at him, and I said, Lucas, I, I'm, I'm your dad. And he said, oh, that's right, I forgot. <laughs> he said, that means I'm your son. Yeah, Lucas, that's how it works. That's how the whole family tree thing actually works, right? I'm your dad and you are my son. It's really easy to define who we are in terms of relationship with others, but for a church, it can be extremely difficult to define who we are. Uh, think about it. Uh, for example, if somebody asks you about your church, you have a neighbor, you have a coworker, you have a friend. Say, hey, tell me about First Church. What, what, what's First Church all about? What's, what's First Church, uh, what's, what's their vision? What's their mission? What we automatically do is we begin telling them what we do, right? Well, our church has a great children's program. Or our church has some of the best music. Or our church does great Sunday school. Or our church has an awesome food pantry. Or our church has that new pastor that looks like he's 12 years old, right? <laughs> easy, easy to define, right? And those are what we do, and all those things are true, right? Especially the last one, unfortunately, right? All those things are true, but they don't get to the heart of who we are, why we exist, why God has planted this church for this time in this particular community. And today, we're going to explore together who it is that we are. We're going to unveil our new mission statement. We're going to take a look at our eight core values that define who we are becoming as a people of God. But before we do that, I need to say this, and it's simply this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the 300 of you that participated in our all-church survey. I say thank you to the members of our focus groups who met and took time out of their schedules to share God's vision and God's hope and God's dreams for this church. 
I say thank you to the members of our staff, of our board, our lay leadership council, who met day after day and night after night. Some of our meetings lasting, as they could testify, well past my bedtime, which is not good for anybody, right? And many of our meetings beginning earlier in the morning than most of us were ready to get out of bed, right? We met constantly. And to you, I say thank you for your investments in what God is doing in First Church. So, what is our mission? What is our purpose? Why are we here? I'm going to say this, and then uh, you're going to write it down, because that's what we do. You write notes, and then uh, write it down, right? Share it on social media. You're going to begin to see this everywhere you go, right? So you're going to see it on t-shirts. You're going to see it on our walls. You're going to see it on signs. I I thought about even doing the 1980s thing if I had a little more hair and, like, carving it into my temples, right? But I spared you that. So uh, here it is, right? Here it is. Why do we exist? We already sang it this morning. We exist as First Church to live out God's story in our community. That's why we exist. That's why we are here, to live out God's story in our community. See, here's the truth, First Church. I firmly believe this, that God knew exactly what he was doing 78 years ago when he planted this church in this neighborhood. God is not surprised about the changes in our community. God is not surprised by the changes that have happened around us. God's not surprised by anything that happens. He has given us this church for this time in this community for a specific purpose, and it is simply this, to live out his story everywhere we go. You say, how are we going to do it? We'll unpack it a little bit more in a minute, but let's look at our eight core values. And these are really good. We're going to go through them quickly. Over the course of the next eight weeks, we're going to unpack these one by one. We're going to have a great time together. But in the meantime, for now, write uh, them down. Here's what they are, our eight core values. We are a church that values intimacy with God. If you would, say it with me. Intimacy with God. Here's how we say it. We pursue God's heart. Our communion with God will determine the impact of our lives. We are a church that pursues God's heart, intimacy with God. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. We are a church that values relational evangelism. Relational evangelism. We connect the disconnected. We intentionally create space in our lives to build relationships that connect people with Jesus. It's not what we do, it's actually who we are as a church. Number three, if you're taking notes, we are a church that values life-on-life discipleship. Say it with me, life-on-life discipleship. Here's what we believe at First Church. Disciples produce disciples. So everyone is a disciple, and everyone disciples because that's what disciples do. We value life-on-life discipleship. Number four, if you're taking notes, we are a church that values intentional apprenticeship. Say it with me, intentional apprenticeship. We say it like this, leaders develop leaders. Every leader identifies, equips, and releases new leaders into the ministry. It's what we do. 
We value intentional apprenticeship. Number five, one of my favorites, we are a church that values radical generosity. Say it with me, radical generosity. And here's why. We hold nothing back. Jesus gave his life for me, so I will give until it changes my life for him. We value radical generosity. Number six, we are a church that values profound humility. Profound humility. Here's how we say it. We choose purpose over preference. We will gladly set aside our preferences for God's purpose of reconciling the world to himself. Our preferences are nothing compared to God's purpose of bringing the world to himself. We are a church that values profound humility. Number seven, these last two are probably my favorites. We are a church that values life together. We do life together. We say it like this. We are created for community. We are committed to cultivating warm, relaxed, and authentic environments where people can thrive together. It's who we are as a church. We do life together. And then number eight, I'm not supposed to have like total favorites, but this by far, keep it secret between us, right? This by far is my very favorite. Number eight is this. We are a church that values missional living. What happens here doesn't stay here. The church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world. We are a church that values missional living. We are a church that does life on mission. And what is our mission? If you would, say it with me. We exist to live out God's story in our community. Let's say it again. We exist to live out God's story in our community. One more time, repetition is the best form of memorization. We exist to live out God's story in our community. That's the kind of church that we desire to become, First Church. So when your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and strangers and enemies come up to you and they say, what kind of church do you attend? No longer do we tell them what we do. But now, First Church, we can tell them who we are. We are a church that lives out God's story in our community. Now, there may be some of you here this morning and you're saying things like, this is really good stuff, Pastor Andrew, and if I could find a church that looks like that, I would be all in, right? I, I want to be a part of a church like that, but isn't this a little bit ideal? Isn't this kind of a big vision? And to that, I would say, yeah, it is. It is a massive vision, and here is why. We have a big vision because we serve a big God. <laughs> we have a big vision because we serve a big God. In fact, we say it like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. A vision that can be fulfilled without God is no vision at all. A vision that can be fulfilled without God, a dream that can be accomplished without our God is actually no vision or dream at all. And what we decided to do is not insult God with small thinking. 
if we serve a big God, then we won't, we won't insult God with small thinking or small faith or small dreams. We will bless God. We will serve God. We will honor our God with a big vision that only he can accomplish it. And here's the really good news, church. When God brings all this to pass, guess who's going to get all the credit? God. God. Because this vision is not my vision. No one person has that kind of wisdom. This vision is not the staff's vision. It's not the later leadership council's vision. It's not all of our vision. This vision is God's vision. And when God fulfills his vision, God gets all the glory for the work that's done in this place. Amen? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now, there may be a few of you still who say, this is great, big vision, God vision, that's awesome, but why do we need vision anyway, right? Like, can't we just serve Jesus and see what happens? That was our second mission statement. We didn't, we didn't, choose, <laughs> didn't, didn't choose that one, right? It would have been great, right? Well, why couldn't we just serve Jesus? And here's the answer. It's our key verse for the series we're going to look at over the course of the next few weeks. It's Proverbs 29, verse 18. Scripture says this, where there is no, say it with me, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, this word vision here is the Hebrew word kazon. If you would say that with me, kazon, right? Last series was Greek. This series is Hebrew. You guys are like multilingual. This is really good, right? So kazon, and kazon literally means revelation, divine vision, or a communication from God. What's God say? He says, where there is no revelation, where there is no communication from God, where there is no divine vision that he's laid on the hearts of his people, the people perish. I don't know how this might uh, look in your life. Uh, for instance, maybe for you, uh, you have a, a deep desire to have a, a closer walk with your husband or with your wife or fiance or girlfriend or boyfriend. And you want to get closer. You want to have a better marriage, better relationship, but you have no vision. You have no plan. And so your marriage continues to suffer. Or, or maybe you say, you know, I really wish we could get out of debt. I'd love to be debt-free, financial freedom. I'd love to have all of that, but you have no kazon, you have no vision, you have no plan, and so you live like the rest of the world, paycheck to paycheck. Or maybe you're here like so many people, and you say, you know what, I just wish I had a closer walk with God. I just wish I was more intimate with Him, read my Bible more, pray a little bit more, have a small group accountability, but you have no vision. You have no plan. And so day after day after day go by, and 10 years later, you find yourself in the exact same spot that you were. Why? Because where there is no vision, the people perish. And I'm telling you, folks, our staff and our board have taken this challenge seriously. Not having a vision can be detrimental in so many facets of the word. Uh, for example, I, I give you a, a, an idea. Um, uh, many of you know that I don't have 
the world's best eyesight, right? So if you were here with us way back in last October when I was just filling in, I shared with you that I wanted contacts in fifth grade and the doctors wouldn't give it to me, so I took off my glasses and I've never worn them since. So that's the kind of pastor you have. And so I literally, in order to pass the driving, driver's test, I had to memorize the eye chart. You guys remember that? So uh, that's, that's how we uh, roll. Uh, anyone run a ride to lunch? I'm, uh, I'm driving. Love to, love to have you with me, right? So that's the problem with me. I, I really struggle with my vision. And, and where that's uh, come back to bite me a few times in life is the fact that my wife has a wonderful, identical twin sister, as she shared with you last week, right? And they look identical because they are identical. And so, true story, I refused to talk to either one of them for four years in college because I didn't know which one was which. So I'd see one of them coming and I would turn the other direction because I didn't know which one was which. And it was only after her sister moved to California that Simone and I started dating because I needed to know which one I was going out with. <laughs> important, important point. So even after we had been married uh, for a couple years, her sister actually came and, and lived with us for a little while. And so one Sunday, yeah, could, uh, yeah. So one Sunday, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were at our previous church down in Kentucky, and we were having a meet and greet time to, to start the service, right? Shaking hands and all that. And it was going just a little bit long for my taste because I am OCD. And so I, uh, my wife was supposed to be directing us to the next part of the service. But I look all the way in the back and she's standing back there chatting it up with people. So I wait and I wait and I wait. And finally, I ran out of patience because that is not one of my strengths. And so I ran to the back and I kind of nonchalantly slipped my arm around my wife and guided her out of that conversation and back down the center aisle of our church. And so we're walking down the center aisle and I'm, I'm embracing my wife and greeting people, you know, doing all that stuff. And we get to the front of the sanctuary and I am getting ready to turn and give her a little peck on the cheek, right? <laughs> really romantic, holy pastor. So, okay, a little peck on the cheek, right? And so, right as I was getting ready to do that, I looked up, and there, standing behind the pulpit, uh, was my wife. <laughs> and I turned, and I looked at the woman that I was getting ready to lay a big one on, and the, the woman I just embraced down the center aisle of my entire church, and there was her sister. And... Um, I spent the rest of the service trying to explain that one away. <laughs> Fortunately, that stuff's a little more common in Kentucky. And so, <laughs> just, just kidding. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Love all of you. Love all of you guys, right? <laughs> Where there is no vision, right? Where there is no vision, the people... Paris, true story, true story. So, your board and your staff have taken the challenge seriously. And we've said we have to have a vision. We have to have a mission. We have to have a purpose for our church. And the more that we prayed together, and the more that we talked together, and the more that we searched through scripture together, here is the word that God spoke to us. He said, in your community, there are two competing stories. In your community, there is my story and there is the world story. There is the story that I want to write 
And there's a story that our spiritual enemy is so desperately trying to write. There's a story of life, and there's a story of death. There's a story of holiness, and there's a story of sinfulness. He said, which story is it? Which story is going to be written? And folks, we don't have to look too far to realize that our enemy's handwriting is all over this community. We all know it. We can all see it. Marriages that are failing, families that are fractured, sin everywhere we turn, brokenness and crime and divorce and failure and, and kids growing up without parents and, 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 and kids growing up in families and uh, in, in orphanages. We have, we have brokenness all over our community and our spiritual enemy is writing his story all over this community. It's a story of brokenness. It's a story of hopelessness. It's a story of despair. It's a story of death. And God said to us, we really have one choice, either to follow that story or to live out my story. Do you know over the course of the last 10 years alone, statistics tell us that there are 10% fewer people who claim to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 10% fewer people in our community alone who have no relationship with Jesus. And in that same time, 35% more people have said they have no faith. 10% fewer Christians and 35% more who say no faith. In fact, if you drew a circle, a five-mile radius right around this church, there are 84,000 people, give or take a few, in a five-mile radius of this church. And one out of every two of them, 42,000, actively claim right now to have no faith, no relationship with Jesus. What's that mean? That means one out of every two people you pass in the grocery store don't know Jesus. One out of every two houses you drove past this morning to get to this church don't know Jesus. One out of every two of your coworkers, one out of every two of your neighbors, one out of every two folks that you spend time with at your kids' sporting events, they have no hope. They have no faith. And they have no eternity. That's the kind of story that our spiritual enemy is writing. And so God has said, it's time to live out a different story. It's time to live out a different story. And so church, we have two choices. We can either live content in our own salvation, live content in our blessings, live content that our eternity is secure while our enemy continues to write his story everywhere he goes, or we can choose to live out his story in our community. Because you see, our God's story is different altogether. In our God's story, where there is hurt, our God brings healing. Where there is pain, our God brings comfort. Where there is division, our God brings unity. Where there is, where there is difficulty, our God brings wholeness. Where there is destitution, our God brings restoration. Where there is blindness, our God brings sight. Where there are prisoners, our God proclaims freedom. And where there is death, our God brings life. 
because that's the kind of story that our God tells. Our spiritual enemy wants to tell a story of brokenness, but our God tells a story of reconciliation. Our spiritual enemy wants to tell a story of sinfulness, but our God tells a story of transformation. Our spiritual enemy wants to tell a story of division and disunity and discord in our community, but our God tells a story of restoration because that's the kind of God, First Church, that we serve. Our God is the one who gives sight to the blind. He's the one that gives hope to the hopeless. He's the one that gives healing to the broken, and he is the one who brings life out of death. And First Church, I don't know if you want to praise God for that, but that is really, really good news that that's the kind of story our God desires to write in this community. So the question is, are you in? Are you in? Before you say yes, understand this. If you're in, the journey isn't easy. The journey isn't easy. You're going to have a target on your back, a bullseye on your back from your spiritual enemy. You're going to face ridicule. You're going to face rejection. You're going to face persecution. And you're going to face abandonment. Because Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. If you're willing to say you're in, then we have to adopt this philosophy, becoming one of my favorite life verses. It's Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, and the apostle Paul says this. He says, I consider my life, say it with me, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may what? Finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace, the task of living out God's story in our community. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Most churches know what they do. Few churches know who they are. But today, the Holy Spirit has shown up. He has shown us his vision his purpose, and his mission. And I don't know about you, First Church, but my life will never be the same. Jesus, we give you thanks for today. We thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for speaking to us. Come have your way in our midst. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I, um, simple question this morning is this. Are you in? Are you in? You look around you and you say, you know what? God has used me in the past. God has been faithful to use me, but I want more. (laughs) I want more. I want to live out his story everywhere I go. I want my home to be a better place because I served Jesus. I want my work to be a better place because I served Jesus. I want my church, I want my community to be a better place because I served Jesus. Jesus, that's your prayer today. It's the cry of your heart. Jesus, do even more through me. Would you lift up your hand right now? Right now, all over the sanctuary. Wow, praise God. All over the sanctuary. You say, I'm in. Praise God. I'm in. Thanks be to God. Jesus, you've seen our hands. 
More importantly, you know our hearts. Come and have your way amongst us. We're in. We're all yours. We've counted the cost. Give us the courage to follow hard after you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. There may be others of you here today that you say, you know what, Pastor Andrew, I'm, I'm in. Count me in. But Jesus needs to do some work in my heart first. I want to write God's story. But the truth is, over the last few years, my spiritual enemy story has been written all over my life. I've got pain. I've got brokenness. I've got shame. I've got hurt. And I want to be used by God to to write his story. But the truth is, I need Jesus to write his story on me today. And you'd say this morning a simple prayer, Jesus, I need you. I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need salvation. I want to be used by you. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to be your vessel of grace everywhere I go. But fill me first. Cleanse me first. Forgive me first that I may be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Heal me today, Jesus. If that's your prayer, say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you. Cleanse me in the powerful name of Jesus. If that's your prayer, would you raise your hand right now? all over the sanctuary. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Thank you, sister. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Right down front. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Jesus, I need you. Thank you, brother. Who else? Who else? Thank you, brother. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Jesus, I need you. Thank you, sister. Jesus, I need you. I want to write your story, but it needs to be written on me first. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Praise God. At First Church, if you're new with us, nobody prays alone. Everyone, if you would, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I need you. I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need life. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. Jesus, you rose so I could be set free. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. I want to live your story all the days of my life. Never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Church, can we celebrate together new life, new vision in First Church today. Let's be to God.